Section 7 of the Story of a Soul by St. Therese of Lisieux, translated by Rev. Thomas Taylor. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6 A Pilgrimage to Rome. Three days after the journey to Bayeux, I started on a much longer one to the Eternal City. This journey taught me the vanity of all that passes away. Nevertheless, I saw splendid monuments. I studied the countless wonders of art and religion, and better than all, I trod the very ground the holy apostles had trodden, the ground watered by the blood of martyrs, and my soul grew by contact with these holy things. I was delighted to go to Rome, but I could quite understand people crediting Papa with the hope that in this way I should be brought to change my mind about the religious life. It might certainly have upset a vocation that was not very strong. To begin with, Sidin and I found ourselves in the company of many distinguished people. In fact, there were scarcely any others in the pilgrimage. But far from being dazzled thereby, titles seemed to us but a vapor of smoke, and I understood the words of the imitation, Be not solicitous for the shadow of a great name. I understood that true greatness is not found in a name but in the soul the prophet isaiah tells us the lord shall call his servants by another name and we read in st john to him that overcometh i will give a white counter and on the counter a new name written which no man knoweth but he that receiveth it in heaven therefore we shall know our titles of nobility and then shall every man have praise from god and he who on earth chose to be poorest and least known for love of his saviour he will be the first the noblest and the richest the second thing i learned had to do with priests up to this time i had not understood the chief aim of the carmelite reform to pray for sinners delighted me to pray for priests whose souls seemed pure as crystal that indeed astonished me but in italy i realized my vocation and even so long a journey was a small price to pay for such valuable knowledge during that month i met with many holy priests and yet i saw that even though the sublime dignity of priesthood raises them higher than the angels they are still but weak and imperfect men and so if holy priests whom our lord in the gospel calls the salt of the earth 
have need of our prayers what must we think of the lukewarm has not our lord said if the salt lose its savour wherewith shall it be salted oh dear mother how beautiful is our vocation we carmelites are called to preserve the salt of the earth we offer our prayers and sacrifices for the apostles of the lord we ourselves ought to be their apostles while they by word and example are preaching the gospel to our brethren have we not a glorious mission to fulfill but i must say no more for i feel that on this subject my pen would run on for ever now let me describe my journey in some detail at three o'clock in the morning of november fourth we passed through the silent streets monsieur lay shrouded in the darkness of night i felt that i was going out into the unknown and that great things were awaiting me in rome when we reached paris papa took us to see all the sights for me there was but one our lady of victories i can never tell you what i felt at her shrine the graces our lady granted me were like those of my first communion day i was filled with peace and happiness and in this holy spot the blessed virgin my mother told me plainly that it was really she who had smiled on me and cured me with intense fervor i entreated her to keep me always and to realize my heart's desire by hiding me under her spotless mantle and i also asked her to remove from me every occasion of sin i was well aware that during this journey i should come across things that might disturb me knowing nothing of evil i feared i might discover it as yet i had not experienced that to the pure all things are pure that a simple and upright soul does not see evil in anything because evil only exists in impure hearts and not in inanimate objects i prayed specially to st joseph to watch over me for my childhood devotion to him has been interwoven with my love for our blessed lady every day i said the prayer beginning st joseph father and protector of virgins so i felt i was well protected and quite safe from danger we left paris on november seventh after our solemn consecration to the sacred heart in the basilica of montmartre each compartment of the train was named after a saint and the selection was made in honor of some priest occupying it his own patron or that of his parish being chosen but in the presence of all the pilgrims our compartment was named after saint martin my father deeply touched by this compliment went at once to thank monsignor legue vicar-general of constance and director of the pilgrimage 
from this onwards he was often called monsieur saint martin father reveroni watched my behaviour closely i could tell that he was doing so at table if i were not opposite to him he would lean forward to look at me and listen to what i was saying i think he must have been satisfied with his investigations for towards the end of the journey he seemed more favourably disposed i say towards the end for in rome he was far from being my advocate as i will tell you presently still i would not have it thought he deceived me in any way by falling short of the good will he had shown at bayeux on the contrary i am sure he always felt kindly towards me and that if he opposed my wishes it was only to put me to the test on our way into italy we passed through switzerland with its high mountains their snowy peaks lost in the clouds its rushing torrents and deep valleys filled with giant ferns and purple heather great good was wrought in my soul by these beauties of nature so abundantly scattered abroad they lifted it to him who had been pleased to lavish such masterpieces upon this transient earth sometimes we were high up the mountainside while at our feet an unfathomable abyss seemed ready to engulf us a little later we were passing through a charming village with its cottages and graceful belfry above which fleecy clouds floated lazily farther on a great lake with its blue waters so calm and clear with blend with the glowing splendor of the setting sun i cannot tell you how deeply i was impressed with this scenery so full of poetry and grandeur it was a foretaste of the wonders of heaven then the thought of religious life would come before me as it really is with its constraints and its little daily sacrifices made in secret i understood how easily one might become wrapped in self and forget the sublime end of one's vocation and i thought later on when the time of trial comes when i am enclosed in the carmel and shall only be able to see a little bit of sky i will remember this day and it will encourage me i will make light of my own small interests by thinking of the greatness and majesty of god i will love him alone and will not be so foolish as to attach myself to the fleeting trifles of this world now that my heart has had a glimpse of what is reserved for those who love him after having contemplated the works of god i turned next to admire those of his creatures milan was the first italian town we visited and we carefully studied its cathedral of white marble adorned with countless statues selin and i left the timid ones who hid their faces in fear after climbing to the first stage 
and following the bolder pilgrims we reached the top from whence we viewed the city below when we came down we started on the first of our expeditions these lasted the whole month of the pilgrimage and quite cured me of a desire to be always lazily riding in a carriage the campo santo charmed us the whole vast enclosure is covered with marble statues so exquisitely carved as to be lifelike and placed with an apparent negligence that only enhances their charm you feel almost tempted to console the imaginary personages that surround you their expression so exactly portrays a calm and christian sorrow and what works of art here is a child putting flowers on its father's grave one forgets how solid is marble the delicate petals appear to slip through its fingers sometimes the light veils of the widows and the ribbons of the young girls seem floating on the breeze we could not find words to express our admiration but an old gentleman who followed us everywhere regretting no doubt his inability to share our sentiments said in a tone of ill-temper oh what enthusiasts these french people are and yet he also was french i think the poor man would have done better to stay at home instead of enjoying the journey he was always grumbling nothing pleased him neither cities hotels people nor anything else my father whose disposition was the exact opposite was quite content no matter what happened and tried to cheer our friend offering him his place in the carriage or elsewhere and with his wonted goodness encouraging him to look on the bright side of things but nothing could cheer him how many different kinds of people we saw and how interesting it is to study the world when one is just about to leave it in venice the scene changed completely instead of the bustle of a large city silence reigned broken only by the lapping of the waters and the cries of the gondoliers as they plied their oars it is a city full of charm and full of sadness even the palace of the dodges splendid though it be is sad we walk through halls whose vaulted roofs have long since ceased to re-echo the voices of the governors in their sentences of life and death its dark dungeons are no longer a living tomb for unfortunate prisoners to pine within while visiting these dreadful prisons i fancied myself in the times of the martyrs and gladly would i have chosen this sombre abode for my dwelling if there had been any question of confessing my faith presently the guide's voice roused me from my reverie and i crossed the bridge of sighs so called because of the sighs uttered by the wretched prisoners as they pass from their dungeons to the sentence and to death after leaving venice we visited padua and there venerated the relic of st anthony's tongue then bologna where st catherine's body rests her face still bears the impress 
of the kiss bestowed on her by the infant jesus i was indeed happy when on the way to loretto our lady had chosen an ideal spot in which to place her holy house everything is poor simple and primitive the women still wear the graceful dress of the country and have not as in the large towns adopted the modern paris fashions i found loretto enchanting and what shall i say of the holy house i was overwhelmed with emotion when i realized that i was under the very roof that had sheltered the holy family i gazed on the same walls our lord had looked on i trod the ground once moistened with the sweat of st joseph's toil and saw the little chamber of the annunciation where the blessed virgin mary held jesus in her arms after she had borne him there in her virginal womb i even put my rosary into the little porringer used by the divine child how sweet those memories but our greatest joy was to receive jesus in his own house and thus become his living temple in the very place which he had honored by his divine presence according to roman custom the blessed sacrament is reserved at one altar in each church and there only is it given to the faithful at loretto this altar was in the basilica which is built round the holy house enclosing it as a precious stone might be enclosed in a casket of white marble the exterior mattered little to us it was in the diamond itself that we wished to receive the bread of angels my father with his habitual gentleness followed the other pilgrims but his daughters less easily satisfied went towards the holy house god favored us for a priest was on the point of celebrating mass we told him of our great wish and he immediately asked for two hosts which he placed on the patent you may picture dear mother the ecstatic happiness of that communion no words can describe it what will be our joy when we communicate eternally in the dwelling of the king of heaven it will be undimmed by the grief of parting and will know no end his house will be ours for all eternity and there will be no need to cover fragments from the walls hallowed by the divine presence he will not give us his earthly home he only shows it to us to make us love poverty and the hidden life what he has in store for us is the palace of his glory when we shall no longer see him veiled under the form of a child or the appearance of bread but as he is in the brightness of his infinite beauty now i am going to tell you about rome rome where i thought to find comfort and where i found the cross it was night when we arrived i was asleep and was awakened by the porters calling roma the pilgrims caught up the cry and repeated roma roma 
then i knew that it was not a dream i was really in rome our first day and perhaps the most enjoyable was spent outside the walls there everything retains its stamp of antiquity whilst in rome with its hotels and shops one might fancy oneself in paris this drive in the roman campagna has left a specially delightful impression on my mind how shall i describe the feelings which thrilled me when i gazed on the Colosseum? at last i saw the arena where so many martyrs had shed their blood for christ my first impulse was to kiss the ground sanctified by their glorious combats but what a disappointment the soil has been raised and the real arena is now buried at a depth of about twenty-six feet as the result of excavations the centre is nothing but a mass of rubbish an insurmountable barrier guards the entrance in any case no one dared penetrate into the midst of those dangerous ruins but was it possible to be in rome and not go down to the real Colosseum? no indeed and i no longer listened to the guide's explanation one thought only filled my mind i must reach the arena we are told in the gospel that st mary magdalene remained close to the sepulchre and stooped down constantly to look in she was rewarded by seeing two angels so like her i kept stooping down and saw not two angels but what i was in search of i uttered a cry of joy and called out to my sister come follow me we shall be able to get through we hurried on at once scrambling over the ruins which crumbled under our feet papa aghast at our boldness called out to us but we did not hear as the warriors of old felt their courage grow in face of peril so our joy increased in proportion to the fatigue and danger we had to face to attain the object of our desires Celine, more foreseeing than i had listened to the guide she remembered that he had pointed out a particular stone marked with a cross and had told us the place where the martyrs had fought the good fight she set to work to find it and having done so we threw ourselves on our knees on this sacred ground our souls united in one and the same prayer my heart beat violently when i pressed my lips to the dust reddened with the blood of the early christians i begged for the grace to be a martyr for jesus and i felt in the depths of my heart that my prayer was heard all this took but a short time after collecting some stones we approached the walls once more to face the danger we were so happy that papa had not the heart to scold us and i could see that he was proud of our courage 
from the Colosseum we went to the catacombs and there celine and i laid ourselves down in what had once been the tomb of saint cecilia and took some of the earth sanctified by her holy remains before our journey to rome i had not felt any special devotion to saint cecilia but on visiting the house where she was martyred and hearing her proclaimed queen of harmony because of the sweet song she sang in her heart to her divine spouse i felt more than devotion towards her it was real love as for a friend she became my chosen patroness and the keeper of all my secrets her abandonment to god and her boundless confidence delighted me beyond measure they were so great that they enabled her to make souls pure which i never till then desired aught but earthly pleasures saint cecilia is like the spouse in the canticles i find in her the scriptural choir in an armed camp her life was one melodious song in the midst of the greatest trials and this is not strange because we read that the book of the holy gospels lay ever on her heart and while in her heart reposed the spouse of virgins our visit to the church of st agnes was also very delightful i tried but without success to obtain a relic to take back to my little mother sister agnes of jesus men refused me but god himself came to my aid a little bit of red marble from an ancient mosaic dating back to the time of the sweet martyr fell at my feet was this not touching saint agnes herself gave me a keepsake from her house we spent six days in visiting the great wonders in rome and on the seventh saw the greatest of all leo the thirteenth i longed for yet dreaded that day for on it depended my vocation i had received no answer from the bishop of bayeux and so the holy father's permission was my one and only hope but in order to obtain this permission i had first to ask it the mere thought made me tremble for i must dare speak to the pope and that in the presence of many cardinals archbishops and bishops on sunday morning november twentieth we went to the vatican and were taken to the pope's private chapel at eight o'clock we assisted at his mass during which his fervent piety worthy of the vicar of christ gave evidence that he was in truth the holy father the gospel for the day contained these touching words fear not little flock for it had pleased your father to give you a kingdom my heart was filled with perfect confidence no i would not fear i would trust that the kingdom of the carmel would soon be mine i did not think of those other words of our lord i disposed to you as my father hath disposed to me a kingdom that is to say i will give you crosses and trials and thus will you become worthy to possess my kingdom 
if you desire to sit on his right hand you must drink the chalice which he has drunk himself on not christ to have suffered these things and so to enter into his glory a mass of thanksgiving followed and then the audience began leo the thirteenth whose cassock and cape were white was seated on a raised chair and round him were grouped various dignitaries of the church according to custom each visitor knelt in turn and kissed first the foot next the hand of the venerable pontiff and finally received his blessing then two of the noble guards signed to the pilgrim that he must rise and pass on to the adjoining room to make way for those who followed no one uttered a word but i was firmly determined to speak when suddenly the vicar general of bayeux father reveroni who was standing at the pope's right hand told us in a loud voice that he absolutely forbade any one to address the holy father my heart beat fast i turned to celine mutely inquiring what i should do speak she said the next moment i found myself on my knees before the holy father i kissed his foot and he held out his hand then raising my eyes which were filled with tears i said entreatingly holy father i have a great favor to ask you at once he bent towards me till his face almost touched mine and his piercing black eyes seemed to read my very soul holy father i repeated in honor of your jubilee will you allow me to enter the carmel when i am fifteen the vicar-general surprised and displeased said quickly holy father this is a child who desires to become a carmelite but the superiors of the carmel are looking into the matter well my child said his holiness do whatever the superiors decide clasping my hands and resting them on his knee i made a final effort holy father if only you say yes every one else would agree he looked at me fixedly and said clearly and emphatically well well you will enter if it is god's will i was going to speak again when the noble guards motioned to me as i paid little attention they came forward the vicar-general with them for i was still kneeling before the pope with my hands resting on his knee just as i was forced to rise the dear holy father gently placed his hand on my lips then lifted it to bless me letting his eyes follow me for quite a long time my father was much distressed to find me coming from the audience in tears he had passed out before me so did not know anything about my request the vicar-general had shown him unusual kindness presenting him to leo the thirteenth as the father of two carmelites the sovereign pontiff as a special sign of benevolence had placed his hand on his head thus appearing in the name of christ himself to mark him with a mysterious seal 
but now that this father of four carmelites is in heaven it is no longer the hand of christ's vicar which rests on his brow prophesying his martyrdom it is the hand of the spouse of virgins of the king of heaven and this divine hand will never be taken away from the head which it has blessed this trial was indeed a heavy one but i must admit that in spite of my tears i felt a deep inward peace for i had made every effort in my power to respond to the appeal of my divine master this peace however dwelt in the depth of my soul on the surface all was bitterness and jesus was silent absent it would seem for nothing revealed that he was there on that day too the sun dared not shine and the beautiful blue sky of italy hidden by dark clouds mingled its tears with mine all was at an end my journey had no further charm for me since it had failed in its object it is true the holy father's words you will enter if it is god's will should have consoled me they were indeed a prophecy in spite of all these obstacles what god in his goodness willed has come to pass he has not allowed his creatures to do what they will but only what he wills some time before this took place i offered myself to the child jesus to be his little plaything i told him not to treat me like one of those precious toys which children only look at and dare not touch but to treat me like a little ball of no value that can be thrown on the ground kicked about pierced left in a corner or pressed to his heart just as it might please him in a word i wished to amuse the holy child and to let him play with me as he fancied here indeed he was answering my prayer in rome jesus pierced his little plaything he wanted to see what was inside and when satisfied he let it drop and went to sleep what was he doing during his sweet slumber what became of the ball thus cast on one side he dreamed that he was still at play that he took it up or threw it down and that he rolled it far away but at last he pressed it to his heart nor did he allow it again to slip from his tiny hand dear mother you can imagine the sadness of the little ball lying neglected on the ground and yet it continued to hope against hope after our audience my father went to call on brother simeon the founder and director of st joseph's college and there he met father reveroni he reproached him gently for not having helped me in my difficult task and told the whole story to brother simeon the good old man listened with much interest and even made notes saying with evident feeling this kind of thing is not seen in italy the next day we started for naples and pompeii vesuvius did us the honor of emitting from its crater a thick volume of smoke accompanied by numerous loud reports the traces of the devastation of pompeii are terrifying they show forth the power of god 
he looked upon the earth and maketh it tremble he touches the mountains and they smoke i should like to have wandered alone among its ruins meditating on the instability of human things but such solitude was not to be thought of at naples we made an expedition to the monastery of san martino it crowns a high hill overlooking the whole city on the way back the horses took the bit in their teeth and it is solely to our guardian angels that i attribute our safe return to the splendid hotel this word splendid is not too strong to describe it in fact during the whole journey we stayed only at the most expensive hotels i had never been surrounded by such luxury but it is indeed a true saying that riches do not make happiness i should have been a thousand times more contented under a thatched roof with the hope of entering the carmel than i was amid marble staircases gilded ceilings and silken hangings with my heart full of sorrow i realized thoroughly that joy is not found in the things which surround us but lives only in the soul one could possess it as well in an obscure prison as in the palace of a king and so now i am happier at the carmel in the midst of trials within and without than i was in the world where i had everything i wanted and above all the joys of a happy home although i felt heavy of heart outwardly i was as usual for i thought no one had any knowledge of my petition to the pope i was mistaken one day when the other pilgrims had gone to the refreshment room and Celine and i were alone monsignor legoux came to the door of the carriage he looked at me attentively and smiling said well and how is our little carmelite this showed me that my secret was known to all the pilgrims and i gathered it too from their kindly looks but happily no one spoke to me on the subject at assisi i had a little adventure while visiting the places sanctified by the virtues of st francis and st clair i lost the buckle of my belt in the monastery it took me some time to find and put it back in place and when i reached the door all the carriages had started except one that belonged to the vicar-general of bayeux should i run after those which were no longer in sight and so perhaps miss the train or should i beg for a seat in the carriage of father Rivoni? i decided that this was the wiser plan i tried to hide my extreme embarrassment and explain things he was placed in a difficulty himself for all the seats were occupied but one of the party promptly gave me his place and sat by the driver i felt like a squirrel caught in a snare i was ill at ease in the midst of these great people and i had to sit face to face with the most formidable of all he was exceedingly kind however and now and then interrupted his conversation to talk to me about carmel and promised that he would do all in his power to realize my desire to enter at fifteen 
this meeting was like balm to my wounds and though it did not prevent me from suffering i had now lost all trust in creatures and could only lean on god himself and yet my distress did not hinder me from taking a deep interest in the holy places we visited in florence we saw the shrine of saint mary magdalene of pazzi in the choir of the carmelite church all the pilgrims wanted to touch the saint's tomb with their rosaries but my hand was the only one small enough to pass through the grating so i was deputed for this important and lengthy task and i did it with pride it was not the first time i had obtained special favors one day at santa croce in rome we venerated the relics of the true cross together with two of the thorns and one of the sacred nails i wanted to examine them closely so i remained behind and when the monk in charge was going to replace them on the altar i asked if i might touch the precious treasures he said i might do so but was doubtful if i should succeed however i put my little finger into one of the openings of the reliquary and was able to touch the sacred nail once hallowed by the blood of our saviour you see i behaved towards him like a child who thinks it may do as it pleases and looks on its father's treasures as its own having passed through pisa and genoa we came back to france by one of the loveliest routes at times we were close to the sea and one day during a storm it seemed as though the waves would reach the train farther on we travelled through plains covered with orange trees olives and feathery palms while at night the numerous seaports twinkled with lights and the stars came out in the deep blue sky but i watched the fairy picture fade away from my eyes without any regret my heart was set elsewhere my father proposed to take me to jerusalem but in spite of the natural wish i had to visit the places sanctified by our lord's footsteps i was weary of earthly pilgrimages and only longed for the beauties of heaven in order to win these beauties for souls i wanted to become a prisoner as quickly as possible i felt that i must suffer and struggle still more before the gates of my blessed prison would open yet my trust in god did not grow less and still i hoped to enter at christmas we had hardly reached home when i paid a visit to the carmel you must remember well that interview dear mother i left myself entirely in your hands for i had exhausted all my resources you told me to write to the bishop and remind him of his promise i obeyed at once and as soon as my letter was posted i felt i should obtain the coveted permission without any delay alas each day brought fresh disappointments the beautiful feast of christmas dawn still jesus slept he left his little ball on the ground without even glancing that way this was indeed a sore trial 
but our lord whose heart is always watching taught me that he granted miracles to those whose faith is small as a grain of mustard seed in the hope of strengthening the slender faith whilst for his intimate friends for his mother he did not work miracles till he had proved their faith did he not permit lazarus to die even though mary and martha had sent word that he was sick and at the marriage feast of cana when our lady asked her divine son to aid the master of the house did he not answer that his hour had not yet come but after the trial what a reward water is changed into wine and lazarus rises from the dead in this way did my beloved act with his little therese after he had tried her for a long time he granted all her desires for my new year's gift of eighteen eighty eight jesus again gave me his cross you told me dear mother that you had had the bishop's answer since december twenty eighth the feast of holy innocence that he authorized my immediate entry into the carmel but that nevertheless you decided not to open its doors till after lent i could not restrain my tears at the thought of such a long delay this trial affected me in a special manner for i felt my earthly ties were severed and yet the ark in its turn refused to admit the poor little dove how did these three months pass they were fruitful in sufferings and still more so in other graces at first the thought came into my mind that i would not put any extra restraint on myself i would lead a life somewhat less strictly ordered than was my custom but our lord made me understand the benefit i might derive from this time he had granted me and i then resolved to give myself up to a more serious and mortified life when i say mortified i do not mean that i imitated the penances of the saints far from resembling those beautiful souls who have practised all sorts of mortifications from their infancy i made mine consist in simply checking my inclinations keeping back an impatient answer doing little services to those around me without setting store thereby and hundred other things of the kind by practising these trifles i prepared myself to become the spouse of jesus and i can never tell you mother how much the added delay helped me to grow in abandonment in humility and in other virtues End of chapter six a pilgrimage to rome